That's hard to follow. Wow. A um, couple shout-outs there. Jim and Linda Martis. Wow, that is very awesome. If you didn't know, they served in China um, for several years um, as missionaries. And uh, I think we got to get Jim in the choir, too. I think so, right? He's been hiding from us, Jim. Been hiding. And uh, Linda, man, that was uh, really awesome. And I told her, I said, we got to get you on the national level as well. I think the whole um, convention needs to hear that and see that. Um, but it is this month of Lottie Moon and just remembering her life and her story and her work. And so I encourage you um, to really pray about uh, what the Lord is leading you to do uh, when it comes to missions. Not only just praying, we need to be praying every day for our missionaries, um, but also man, backing them because they need support. They're going into really difficult uh, regions and situations, and especially China, right? Everything going on in China right now. Uh, we need more missionaries. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Um, and so I encourage you to be praying about that. Um, and if you, if you see Linda and the Martises, make sure you get by and tell them what a phenomenal job they did. Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Um, we are beginning this new series today called The Waiting Place, uh, this Christmas series that kind of goes along with Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. Um, and I think there is something that you and I, we don't like to do, um, especially in the Christmas season. Um, whether you're at the store, whether you are driving down the road, whether you're at the office, whether you're at the house, there's just something we don't like to do. And I think it just naturally comes to us that we hate this. And what am I talking about? We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. Um, we are very impatient, right? Um, especially in this day and age, 21st century, tech devices everywhere, instant gratification, um, the Walmart pickups of the world, delivery right to our doorstep. Um, we do not like to wait. Um, whether you're waiting on an eggnog latte, which by the way is very, very good, um, or you're sitting at that restaurant, or you're at the DMV, or you're in line to buy that product, or you're at the doctor's office just waiting for your name to be called, or again, you're in the car at the, the stoplight, or you're in the school pickup line, we don't like to wait. Well, some of us have made some money off the fact that we don't like to wait. Let me introduce you to Robert Samuel of New York City. Samuel at one point worked for AT&T, and while working there at the AT&T store in New York City, he always noticed the frenzy that a new iPhone release would stir across his city, across the world, and especially at his store. So one year he said, I'm going to put an ad on Craigslist. This was 2012. He puts this ad on Craigslist that says, I will wait in line for you for a certain charge. Somebody took him up on it, and somebody paid Robert Samuel $325 to wait for 15 hours in line for the newest iPhone. And that day, Samuel's business, Same Old Line Dudes, was born, as you can see on his shirt there. Today, the company is no longer just one dude. It's not just Robert Samuel now. He has 30 dudes or dudettes who wait in lines for other people. No matter how long it takes, no matter the weather, each week, same old line dudes, this company in New York City averages 15 bookings. 
They said in one of the iPhone releases, they made around $14,000 waiting in line. That's all they did. They just wait in line. If you get online and go to their website, on their About Us section, they will call themselves, and I quote, New York's premier team of professional line sitters. If there is such a thing as professional line sitters, and their primary aim is to reduce your weight for anything that New York City has to offer, whether it's iPhones or latest Air Jordans or the hottest Broadway tickets in town, same old line dudes they proclaim, they understand your wants and needs, and they are there to help. And let me tell you what your wants and needs are that they're referring to. You don't like to wait. That's what it comes down to, especially for the things that you really, really want. You don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. But waiting is a part of life. Everyone at some point in time is going to wait. Some of you are waiting right now. You're waiting to get that phone call. You're waiting to hear those results. You're waiting to know about that situation. You're waiting to go here. You're waiting to do this. You're in a waiting place. When I graduated the University of Central Oklahoma, Stephanie got me this book called, Oh, the Places You'll Go, right, by Dr. Seuss. Some of you read this book. It's a very popular book, especially around graduations and whatnot. And in the book, Seuss reminds his readers that while you are going to go places, you're also going to find yourself waiting in the waiting place. The waiting place is for people just waiting, he says. Waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or no, or waiting for their hair to grow, some of you. Everyone is just waiting, waiting for the fish to bite, waiting for wind to fly a kite, waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. The waiting place is a part of life. And we'll be waiting in the waiting place at some point with anticipation and expectation. It's inevitable. And the reason this series finds us in this season is because Christmas naturally invites us to wait with anticipation and expectation, with hope. We have this little countdown in our house that somebody gave us a couple years ago. It's like this uh, snowman thing that you can hang on the wall, and it's a countdown to Christmas Day. Well, Noah's been using this thing, not for Christmas Day, but for two weeks from now when we go and celebrate Christmas with my family. And every day we get the update, how many more days, how many more days, how many more days. Christmas naturally invites us to wait with anticipation, with an expectation, with hope to gather with family, to open those presents to have that day off, to travel, waiting to sip some eggnog and listen to some Christmas music. I love eggnog, by the way. Christmas naturally invites us to wait. And this goes all the way back to the first Christmas. Nearly 70 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, specifically in Jerusalem, there was political unrest. Social unrest, theological unrest. 
And it's a long story, and I walked through it a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, but things eventually came to a breaking point about 70 years before Jesus was born. And Rome, with a man by the name of Pompey leading the charge, stepped into the situation at a time when Rome was really expanding their domain and their territory. Long story short, the Jews lost their independence. They lost their freedom. They lost it to Rome. And a freedom that they would not get back until 1948. But Pompey, the high-ranking military official and representative for Rome, he set up a puppet government, and before he left Jerusalem, he entered the most holy of holy places in the temple. If you know the history of this in the Old Testament, you know this is for the great high priest and only for once a year. Nobody else was allowed. This is like entering the throne room of gods. And so here you have this military official representing Rome who is taking over the Jews, now entering the most holy of holy places, and just by his presence in there, desecrating it. He didn't do anything, just walked in and left. But he desecrated it. A lot of people talk about the January 6th capital stuff, right? A lot of people hurt by images they see, people going into a sacred spot in the U.S. That's nothing compared to what Pompey did that day. Nothing compared to it. So in essence, the Jews were now governed by Rome, and Rome had now desecrated the most holy of holy places and made a mockery of God and their belief and their faith. And this gave birth to a deep hatred and animosity in the hearts and minds of many Jews in that day towards Rome. And things over the next many years, and they were already in a way bad, but over the next many years, they got really, really bad. If you were a Jewish man or woman or family in Judea, taxes got worse. I mean, it was to the point where Rome was literally taxing non-citizens to pay for everything they were about but they were so expanding their domain that they didn't even have to tax their own citizens. It's massive history there, but taxes got worse. The Jews became poor. Many of them lost land, the promised land, and they were treated like trash. All the while, they're watching Roman guards fumbling about their cities and their land, desecrating it all. And on top of that, the Caesars, the rulers of Rome throughout the years, began to declare themselves as gods, as the gods, And anyone who says otherwise, anyone who thinks about rebellion, may they not forget crucifixion and the cross. So here you are as a Jewish man or woman in the days leading up to the birth of Jesus, and your money, your land is going to feeding a machine, which is producing roads and palaces and temples for false gods. All the while, you're getting poorer and poorer and more and more oppressed. And what is God's response to this? Well, as they're experiencing all this, as they're witnessing it all, all throughout their scriptures, the Jews were simply told, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Psalm 25, indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. You are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Psalm 27, wait for the Lord. 
Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 33, our soul waits for the Lord. Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he'll exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. Psalm 39, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. Psalm 52, I will wait for your name, for it's good in the presence of the godly. Psalm 62, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits in his word. I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Proverbs 20, wait for the Lord and he'll deliver you. Isaiah 40, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 64, God acts for those who wait for him. Micah 7, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. Lamentations 3, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Hosea 12, so you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. So here they are. In the days leading up to the birth of Jesus, things aren't going well at all. And so if their cry was, Lord, save us, or Lord, deliver us, or Lord, help us, or Lord, will you, or Lord, when, they're constantly told throughout the scriptures, just wait. Just wait. Just wait for God to act. Just wait for him to deliver. Wait for him to save. Wait for his name. For the day in which you can say what Isaiah says in chapter 25, behold, this is our God. We've waited for him. That he might save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. They're told to just wait for the day in which they can say Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. They're told to wait for Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14. For one like a son of man, the son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. The one who approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. The one who was given authority, glory and sovereign power. The one in whom all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion, an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. But if you're a Jewish man or woman... Or family in Judea, a few years, a few months, a few weeks, a few days, before the birth of Jesus. You're most likely observing, looking around you at the culture, knowing the history of what has happened with Rome. And you're most probably, most likely, probably beginning to wonder, will he ever come? Will God ever act? Will we ever leave the waiting place? You're probably beginning to hate the word wait. And then finally, it happened. An angel appears to a young girl. Says you're going to be with child. You shall call his name Jesus. And he'll be great, 
He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And this is no ordinary child, Mary. This is the expected king, the long-awaited Savior. And then days go by, months go by, and eventually a cry entered the world. But it was a cry the world had never heard. Because this was God himself in form of a babe declaring his presence among us, Emmanuel. I mean, finally, Christmas morning had arrived. The package unwrapped and opened. The word, the truth, the light, the life was among us. And this light was not a thing or an idea or something immaterial. This light, this truth, this life, this word was flesh, was a person, is a person. Fully man, fully God, the second person out of the Trinity of the Godhead. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. The one whose government and kingdom and rule and peace would have no end. Finally. Those who had been, as Matthew would say in quoting Isaiah, those who had been dwelling in darkness, dwelling in the region and shadow of death, those who had been waiting, their waiting was over. It was over. But time moved on. Jesus did not overthrow Rome. Instead, he overthrew tables in the temple. Died at the hands of Rome. What's worse is you fast forward as a Jewish man or woman, about 40 years after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, you then watch Rome, the enemy, and this goes all the way back to about 70 years before Jesus. Finally, it comes to this boiling point, and you see the Jewish revolt in 66 AD, but then finally in 70 AD, you see all of Rome, their, their military people surround Jerusalem and lock the Jews in, in essence. Time would go on, and they'd eventually just burn the place down. And even to this day, the Western Wailing Wall, the only remaining part of that temple that was destroyed, And so now here we are, 2,000 years later, and we look around us, and we see darkness, we see depression, we see despair, we see injustices, and what's God's answer to all of this? Well, like the people of God of old, we're told throughout Scripture, to, despite what you see, Despite what you're going through, despite what you might face, despite what you're going up against, just wait. For the king is coming again. And this is what James is getting at in James chapter 5. He says, so be patient, brothers and sisters. He's writing to believers. He's writing to the church. Those who are facing a lot of suffering in this time. Be patient until the Lord's coming. Be patient. Then he gives this example. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Some of your farmers in this room, 
Some of you at least know farmers. You know the year-long process, the grueling process, getting the dirt ready, getting the land ready, constantly, every day, every week, every month, there's constantly something to do. And then they wait. They're waiting patiently for the harvest time, for the crop, a valuable crop. But they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait. So James is using this as an illustration to say, you too, just like that, be patient. Be patient and stand firm. Firm in the faith, firm in the word, firm in the church, firm in your following the Lord's. Stand firm. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. Or you too will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. The, the, the picture is, just imagine a home and a couple kids just kind of waiting for mom or dad to come in. And they're doing some things that they're not supposed to be doing. Living in ways they shouldn't be living. Saying things they shouldn't be saying. What James is saying, if that's you, you need to understand this. Dad is at the door. He's about to come in. So get ready. Don't be caught grumbling against each other. The judge is standing at the door. And he goes on for another example. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Think about these Ezekiels and the Daniels and the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs of the world. Think about them. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Those who remain firm in the faith. Those who are patient. Looking forward to the Lord's coming. You've heard of Job's perseverance. And you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. You know everything that Job went through. And the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. In essence, we're told to wait. But in a way, like the Jews right before Jesus' birth, you're most likely observing, looking around at everything we're seeing in the world. And you're most likely probably beginning to wonder, will he ever come? I mean, James is saying, be patient until the Lord's coming. Well, will he ever come? Will God ever act? Will we ever leave the waiting place? You're probably beginning to hate the word, wait. James uses the word near. Okay, it's been 2,000 years since he penned those words. Peter, in addressing the same idea of waiting in 2 Peter 3, he says, listen, you must understand that in the last days there's going to come scoffers and they're going to follow their own desires and they're going to say, hey, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything just goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. We just keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. But Peter then reminds them, just as James says here with the prophets and Job, Peter reminds them of the past and how God eventually and finally brought about what he had foretold and how he will do the same in the future, that the judge will open the door and he describes what that will look like. But then he says, but since it'll happen this way, he says, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward, as you wait, 
with anticipation and expectation, with hope, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day is going to bring about destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, brothers and sisters, because this is the case, since you're looking forward to this, since you're waiting for this, make every effort to be found spotless blameless and at peace with him and at peace with each other as james would argue why because the judge is standing at the door dad's about to come into the room in other words like james like the people of god of old we are called to wait and to wait with hope with anticipation and expectation to know that the waiting place is not the final resting place One day, just like they did in Bethlehem that night, one day you're going to hear a sound, one the world has never heard before. It'll come, as Paul describes it, in a flash, in the twinkle of an eye, like a distant train on the horizon. The last trumpet will sound, and then you'll see him. The Christ, the Messiah, the King, the one we've been waiting for all these years. But the question is, What James and Peter are getting at, what the authors of the Psalms and the Proverbs were getting at as you wait, is while you're waiting, what kind of people ought you to be? Grumblers? Complainers? Living unholy lives? Living ungodly lives? Living pessimistic lives? In the waiting place, in essence, we're we're to live like Lottie Moon. We're not to grumble. We're not to turn from the faith. We're not to be soft in our standing. We're not to be living unholy lives. We're not to be living in pure lives. We're to live faithfully while we wait with hope. And know this. If you've ever dealt with kids in a waiting place, at the doctor's office, at the restaurant, or dealt with some adults, You'll know that the longer they wait, the more antsy they get, the more restless they get, the more they begin to complain against us and against each other. They begin to do and say things they ought not to do and say. And as we wait, it's only going to get harder and harder and harder for you to remain faithful and to stand strong. And this is James' point. Learn from old, learn from those who have gone before us, and know that the judge is standing at the door. The doctor's about to call your name. Dad's about to come into the room. So don't be caught doing that which you ought not to be doing. Don't be caught thinking that which you ought not to think. Don't be caught grumbling, complaining, living unholy, ungodly lives. And so as Christmas invites us to wait with hope, it also calls us to live faithfully holy, pure lives, compassionate towards each other, showing grace and mercy and love that you've been shown, knowing that the king, just like he did in the days of old, is coming again. And he's coming again soon. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward. And we're going to have this short time of response Some of us have sins we need to confess, things we need to turn from. Some of us just need to be reminded 
especially in the Christmas season, just as he did in the days of old, the Lord is coming. He's coming. So in this waiting place, maybe God is calling you to be patient, to stop your grumbling, to stop your complaining, to stop living unholy, ungodly lives. Maybe he's calling you to stand firm, to stay faithful, to endure, to persevere, to be patient, as a farmer is, as Job was, as the prophets long ago were, as the people in Jesus' day were. So in this time of response, you just come to the Lord. If you need to confess something, you need to make a decision, you do that. But be obedient to his calling on your heart. So as you stand with us together, I'm going to pray. And even as I pray, you can come forward. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the Christmas season. We thank you for Emmanuel. We thank you for the life of Jesus his work on our behalf. We thank you for his death in our place. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. We thank you that you're just patient right now, waiting for the nations to turn to you. And Lord, in the waiting place, may we be faithful to you. May we be faithful to each other. May we live as Lottie Moon lived, even up to our last breath, as we wait with hope. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You guys come as we sing this song.